doubted. Raise your hand if you've never doubted. Nobody. We've all doubted. And uh, some of you here are even doubting today. You're not sure in your heart that Jesus is who he claimed to be. Thomas was a believer, and sometimes even believers doubt. He spent three years with the Lord, but he still doubted. But thanks be to God that doubt was one of the things that was crucified on the cross that day. A couple of days before the resurrection of Jesus. You might be wondering what this is over here if you weren't here on Good Friday. We took our sins and our burdens and we nailed them to the cross. That's what that is. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He took our, our sins, our burdens, our failures, our shame, and he hung upon the cross for us. But the reason Thomas was doubting Jesus was because he had lost hope. So this is really an issue of trust. He'd seen his, his Lord arrested, unjustly tried, executed in agony on a cross, and the dream of, coming, of a coming kingdom of God just lied in ruins at this point, in tatters. How many people in 2023 have lost hope? Out on the streets, how many people have lost hope? We used to trust our society, but we used to trust our culture, but it's, our culture now is unrecognizable to what it was even 10 years ago. It's not the culture we grew up with. We used to trust our government, well some of us did, thinking they'll supply all our needs. But now the government are forcing mandates, overseeing interest rate hikes, homelessness, condoning the LGBTQXXYZWXYZ agenda <laughs> for our children. They're, they're condoning late-term abortions, assisted suicide, euthanasia. How can we trust those guys? We used to have medicine in which we could, we could always trust medicine. But now we've seen that they're condoning things like sex change operations and assisted suicides and late-term abortions. Now, many doctors are honourable, of course, but the whole system is letting us down. We used to trust what we saw on TV, the news and YouTube and stuff like that, but clearly we can no longer trust any of that. You can't trust YouTube, you can't trust the commercial stations, you can't trust the gay BC, you can't trust anybody in media these days. We used to trust churches and church leaders, but many denominations have done a complete backflip on moral issues, the likes of which has never been seen in history before. They are standing the Bible on its head to try and justify an agenda. How can we trust those guys? Thomas like so many of us in 2023 in our society, had lost hope. On Friday, we focused on the sacrifice Jesus made for us. But today, today is Resurrection Sunday, and today we celebrate not our sins being forgiven, but we celebrate hope. We have hope today more than anybody else. So on that dark day on Friday, hope died. All the dreams of the disciples, all the plans they had, all the good times had come to nothing. Jesus had healed people, he'd, he'd, he'd changed people's lives, he'd challenged hearts, uh, he'd spoken of eternal life, of his kingdom to come, he fed 5,000 people, he raised the dead, he challenged the hierarchy, he promised big, but on that fateful Friday, on that miserable day, he just died like any other man might. The centurion looked at him as he, as he died and he said, truly this was the son of God. But Thomas, all he saw was a broken, dead body. Luke 23, verse 46 says this, Then Jesus called out with a loud voice, saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. 
That's the prayer of Jewish children even today. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit every night when they go to bed. But Jesus cried out, Lord, into your hands. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, the Bible says, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, certainly this man was innocent. So today perhaps your hopes like those of Thomas have died. Perhaps your dreams of a successful business or hopes of a loving, perfect partner in life. Maybe your hopes of having your family together and, 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 and loving one another. Your hopes of, of, of your inner desires for ministry. Maybe all of those things lay shattered on the ground just like they did for Thomas so long ago. Perhaps you lost that job. Perhaps you lost that marriage and the marriage broke down. Maybe, maybe your family looks okay on the surface but underneath it's a mess. Perhaps the child you love so much has broken your heart. Life is full of broken dreams. It's full of hopelessness. And like, like Thomas so long ago, maybe you've lost hope this morning. Maybe like him, you're standing on the boulevard of broken dreams, standing outside the tomb of everything you once believed in, burying the hopes that you once had. The disciples were all there. Between Friday and Sunday, they were all there. Everything they had worked for, everything they'd hoped for, everything they desired, crumbled right in front of their eyes and despair won that day. That Friday, Jesus laid his life down for us, for your sin and for my sin. But here's the good news. Thanks be to God, they laid him in a tomb, but he didn't stay there. Thanks be to God, he rose again, just as he promised. And it's not just the resurrection of a man. It's not just the resurrection of Jesus. This is the resurrection of hope. This is a chance for the whole world to have hope because hope lives today. Hope is alive because the tomb is empty. Today, hope lives because Jesus lives. Thomas discovered it. And we need to know it today. I've got to tell you, Buddha is buried out there somewhere in a tomb. Muhammad is buried in a tomb. Confucius is buried in a tomb somewhere. But don't bother looking for Jesus. He's not there. Because three days after he was buried, Jesus exploded out of the tomb and today he is alive. And everything he promised, and everything he promised the disciples and he promises you and I, all of that is alive and well with him. Because hope lives. Matthew 28 verse 5 says this, But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, the angel said, for he is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. See, hope is a word we like to throw around a lot. We use the word hope a lot. I hope this works. I hope you feel better tomorrow. I hope my football team wins. I hope tomorrow will be better than today. We use this word all the time. But the true essence of the word is cheapened. Webster's Dictionary defines hope as to cherish a desire with the anticipation of attainment. To the world, hope is to long for something, to anticipate something that you want with all of your heart to be fulfilled. But it may or may not be fulfilled. See, to the world, hope is often dashed. How many of you know that you hope for stuff and your hopes get dashed? Every time. Every time. <laughs> Every time. Lots of times anyway. Like if you turn on the news, for example, hope disappears. 
every report of a terrorist bomb or a war or the financial forecasts or COVID or global warming or every lost scandal or controversy. The world's version of hope is based on what is happening around you. That's the world's version of hope, what is happening around you, what you want, what you can get, what your desires are, what your needs are. It's based on things that do not and cannot ultimately satisfy. But God's hope is completely different. In Hebrews 10 verse 23 it says this, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. See, that's the difference between worldly hope and biblical hope. Biblical hope depends not on events, not on things lining up and coming good, not on government, not on media, not on social media. It, depend, it does not depend on how much faith you can muster. Biblical hope depends on God's faithfulness and he has promised he'll never let you down. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ it celebrates that hope. You see, he promised that he will conquer death. But until he actually did it, we didn't know that he could do it. But when he did it, all of those hopes are rekindled. Biblical hope can be defined as this, a sure expectation based on the promises of God which never fail. You see, biblical hope is different. The hope is hope that is eternal and that never fails. In fact, in Hebrews 6 verse 19 it says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I don't know if you've been in a ship that's had an anchor, but sometimes the anchor holds you real fast, you can't even get it undone, you're battling to get it up. Because the anchor holds you solid. The hope that God offers is something you can build your whole life upon. It's an anchor, it keeps us from drifting after this and floating after that. It is the rock upon which Christians stand. One that cannot be moved or shaken. This is the hope of God. This magnificent hope is forever bound up in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that which we celebrate today. When the Bible talks about hope, it's not a maybe. I hope that you'll feel better tomorrow. I hope that my football team will win. I hope someone will answer that phone. <laughs> it's not that sort of hope, right? A biblical hope is absolute fact. It is something we can live for. It is something we can die for. See, Thomas needed that hope. And it's something that he figured out. See, after being restored, he lived for that hope. And he died in that hope. You may not know, but Thomas was actually martyred. I'm still hoping. What can I say? <laughs> What you may not know about Thomas was that Thomas took the gospel to India and on the 3rd of July, AD 72, at a place called St. Thomas's Mount in Chennai in India. I've been there. There's a, 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 you know, like a little statue and stuff there. He was martyred, speared to death for his faith. You see, if hope is good enough to live for, it's good enough to die for. Whatever they throw at us, we can stand because hope prevails. And the chances are you need that hope this morning. All of us need that hope this morning. Hebrews 1, oh, so Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. When all around you is dark, when everything's going wrong, when everything's flowing through your fingers and you're losing everything and everything seems so dark, hope is the conviction of things not seen. 
Even though you can't see it, you can have that hope in your heart. If you can see it, you don't need the hope. But if you can't see it, then you do need that hope. But we live, ladies and gentlemen, in the midst of a hope vortex. Thomas was told by Mary and the women that Jesus was alive, but he couldn't believe that Jesus had risen. You see, that's what doubt does. What doubt does is it steals from you your belief somehow. So It has a way of taking your dreams and sucking the life out of them. Exactly right. And that's what the devil wants. The devil wants you to be without hope. The devil wants to bleed your hope dry. And some of you have experienced that. Some of you are experiencing it right now, where hope is just sucked out of you in a way that you can't see any way forward. Satan is a, he's a hope vampire. He just wants to suck every, every bit of life out of you. A hope vortex. He wants to suck hope right out of you. Look at Job. Back in the Old Testament, Job 17, verses 11 and 15 says this. Job's miserable. He's lost everything. He's lost his family, lost his home, lost his fortune, lost his health. And he's, he's lost everything. And he says this, my days are past, my plans are broken off. How many of you have seen your plans broken off? Yeah. My plans are broken off. The desires of my heart, where then is my hope? Who will see my hope? He was in utter despair and some of you may be like that this morning maybe maybe despair has sucked hope from you well if so let me tell you you're in good company with thomas whom we met before with job who we just read and people like david joshua all of the disciples paul all of those guys even the apostle paul had hope sucked from them at some point but paul says without the resurrection all of us would not have hope 1 corinthians 15 verse 19 says this if in Christ we have hope in this life, only we are to be of all people most pitied. What he's saying is, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're the most pitiable of all, us who believe it. We're the bunnies, because we don't have any hope beyond this life. But then, just a verse later, he says this, but in fact, Jesus has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep. If you feel like your hope is gone today, if you feel like you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, keep walking. Don't camp there. Lots of people have hard times. They just camp there. Everything goes wrong and they just they can't extricate themselves from that. They're just stuck there. But if you're walking through that valley, keep walking and look to Jesus. Because I can tell you on Resurrection Sunday, your hope can be resurrected as well if you are willing. But sometimes, sometimes hope is hidden. God doesn't take the, the direction we expect him to take. How many of you have experienced that? You think God's going to do something, it's gone completely the opposite way. Am I the only one? Oh, that's good, makes me feel so much better. Thomas learned that. His hopes and dreams were one direction, but then they were seemingly crushed. Yet, listen to this, in God's economy, a setback is just a setup for a comeback. So, sometimes hope is hidden, but just because you can't see it, remember it's the hope of things, you know, substance of things not seen. Even if you can't see it, it doesn't mean that hope is not there. God's great gift of hope took a cross, the very symbol of, of death and despair, and a tomb, the symbol of, of, of death and utter, you know, finality. He took both of those things at this time of year and made them into symbols of hopefulness, symbols of life.
Symbols of eternal life. That's a symbol of death. Yet for us who believe, it's a symbol of life because of our hope in him. 1 Peter 1.3 says this, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So today, folks, we celebrate the fact that Jesus is risen and risen with him is our hope the true hope, the surety of eternal life. Starting the moment we ask Jesus into our life, the hope of, a li of living in victory, the hope of restored families, the hope of healings, of miracles, of fellowship, of ministry, everything. If you are lacking in hope today, if your faith is struggling or weakened, look at the empty tomb because hope was resurrected with Jesus. For some of us, we have to stop trying to manufacture faith. Some of us are eternal optimists aren't we? A few of us. This is not in my notes, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> Heard about these two boys who were, uh, one was the eternal optimist, the other was the eternal pessimist. And, and they thought they'd test this premise out. So they got the eternal prim, uh, a pessimist and they put him in a room full of all these gadgets and ice cream and lollies and just really cool stuff, you know, playstations, all this sort of stuff. Then they took the eternal optimist boy and they put him in a room. They just put a big pile of, of, pony, of, of horse manure in the middle of the room and they locked the door for a couple of hours. They came back. They opened the door to the first guy's, uh, first little boy's room, the eternal pessimist, and he was crying. He said, look, you know, my ice cream's melted. It's got all over the controls. They don't work and I can't get past level three. And he, he was miserable. They go to the optimist room and this kid's got a smile on his face. He's throwing poo everywhere around the room. And they said, what in the world are you doing? He said, with all this horse poo in here, there's got to be a pony somewhere. <laughs> you see, the eternal optimist and the eternal pessimist. But it's not that we're, we're not talking about optimism here. We're not talking about trying to prop up our faith and make something happen that's not happening. We're talking about trusting Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and in him we have the hope of eternal life. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So hope for now. Hope has two aspects. The, Christian hope has two aspects. Hope for right now and hope for the future. Whatever you face in life right now, whatever fear, whatever drama, whatever pain, whatever sickness, tiredness, conflict, pressure, because Jesus rose again from the dead, then you can trust him. It's an old song, but it's a good one. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Come on. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. See, because Jesus is alive, we have absolute hope to live every day in the power of his Holy Spirit. Isaiah 40 verse 31 is one of my favorite verses. It says, those who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That's got to be us, folks. We can live on top of the world, no matter where the world thinks we are. But it's not just hope for now. It's hope forever. Titus 2 verse 13 says this. 
waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Because he is alive, we know that he will soon return. Next week, I'm going to be sharing on the signs why I believe that Jesus is coming back soon. And it's going to be real, if you're interested in that stuff, and who isn't, because it will be nice to know, I'm not going to give you the hour or the day, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you why I think it's imminent. Because he's alive and he will return soon. And listen, this time he's not coming back as a baby. Oh no, he's coming back as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's how he's coming back. And I believe all who believe in him will triumph. Because, you know, he's coming back with power. But he's here right now. But we know from his resurrection that we have hope not only for his return, but also for life abundantly, eternal life with him in heaven. That's his promise. 1 Corinthians 15. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are to be pitied above, more, uh, above all people. But then it goes on to say, but Christ has risen. You know, Paul was a realist. He says, if this stuff's fake, we're in trouble. But, but he knows it's not fake, it's real. Paul said that if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Your hope is dead. We, we've got nothing left to live for if, that, if this stuff is not true. If Jesus has not been risen from the dead, we've got nothing left to live for. But he is. He is risen. So how do you discover hope in your life today? Let me quickly just give you a few thoughts on how you can discover hope. Because I believe here in this room today, there, many of you, many of us, have had hopes and dreams die. Here's some simple steps to rediscover true hope. The first one is to believe in Christ. None of what I said applies to you if you don't believe in Jesus. It doesn't. You've got, you know, as much hope as the next guy out there, which is nothing. If you don't know Jesus as your Saviour and Lord, if you are overwhelmed by troubles, you will perpetually be down and depressed. Jesus has done the work. Just believe in him. Believe in what he achieved for you dying on the cross and believe that he rose from the dead. He can save you today. It's a free gift if only you will accept him. John 20 verse 31 says this, But these are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus didn't come to earth to reign on your parade. He didn't come, on, come to earth to give you a hard time. He didn't come to earth on a mission to lay his life down for you to wreck your life. He came to give you life and life to the full, the Bible says. And I can attest to that. I don't know where you're at in your life, but if you think sin's fun, try holiness. It's awesome. It's really good. You don't have to look over your shoulder. God brings amazing blessing into your life. Why? Because you live a life that pleases him. You might think, well, I don't want him, I don't want him to, to stop me sinning because I like sinning. <laughs> Some people do. Many people do. If we didn't like it, we wouldn't do it. But I'm telling you now, life is better than death. Holiness is better than sin. And resurrection is better than death. The second thing, though, if you ask Jesus into your life, that's the start of your journey. The second thing is you have to abide in him. John 15, 5 says, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, 
He will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. You cannot live in hope and live in power if you are disconnected from the Lord. That includes Christians. You can make a commitment to Christ. You can say, yes, Lord, but if you don't live in constant communication and connection with him, your hope will just dissipate from your life. It really will. Jesus said you need to abide in him. To abide in him means to live in him. He has a plan and a hope for your future, but you need to stay close and connected to him and to be obedient. Think about it. If you want to bless a child, you say, come over here, I'm going to give you an ice cream, and they run the opposite direction. You chase them down. Now, come back. I'm going to give you an ice cream. They head off doing their own thing. You know, you, you can't give the ice cream to that child. They won't even come to you. They're busy doing their own thing. And some of us are like that. We might have made a commitment to Christ, but we're doing our own thing. When you abide in Christ, you live with him. You live connected to him. Don't wander off. Don't stumble away from hope. Take time to pray regularly. Set time aside to read his word. Join a church, this one or some other one, but do something to stay connected to God. If you want true biblical hope in your life, plug into God today. That's why we have a Bible reading plan. Many of you are doing it. I'm just trying to get people to read the Bible every day because every day I open my Bible and I read it and God speaks to me every day. Maybe it's just a coincidence. I like those coincidences every day. The third thing is to believe God's promises. See, God lays out his promises in his word. And the closer we are to him, the more we can listen to him and apply those promises. God's promises come to pass with hope and power from the resurrection of Christ. If he, if he was not resurrected, his promises would lie there empty and void. But thanks be to God, Jesus rose from the dead and his promises are yes and amen. 2 Corinthians 1, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That's why through him we can utter our amen to God for his glory. The whole of history and all the promises of God revolve around Jesus' sacrifice on Good Friday and his resurrection on Resurrection Sunday. That's the whole of history revolves around. That's, that's why it's called history. It's his story. And his story is one of hope. The fourth thing you can do to promote hope is to stand together. There are so many Christians these days who are not part of a church. They think that online they can get good sermons, and, and I agree. There's plenty of guys online preach way better than me. But I tell you this, Joyce Meyer, T.D. Jakes, as good as they might be, they don't know who you are. They might be teaching, but they're not your pastor. They don't care. And their church is full of lovely people, but they don't know who you are either. Online is okay, but it's not real. It's virtual. And so many Christians have left church today. They've been hurt. They've been disappointed or bored out of their brains in church. You might be sitting here thinking you're bored out of your brains this morning. But for many, their hope struggles because they're trying to stand by themselves as Christian. I'm going to wave the flag for Christ and try and stand. But, but what they, that was never God's plan for us. He always planned community. Ecclesiastes 4 says this, Two are better than one for they have a good reward, uh, reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who falls and has no one to, there to lift him up. See, we are made for community, folks. And I'm not talking about online community. We're made for real community. People you can shake hands with. People you can, 
can, can touch, people you can look, look right in the eye and they're not on a screen. Remember the days of COVID and lockdown and we had Zoom meetings? Who loves Zoom? Me neither. <laughs> Why? Well, so, so I love Zoom. I always feel it looks like the Brady Bunch. You know, you get nine things and it's the story of a lovely lady, you know. <laughs> but it's not real, folks. This is real. Real people in a real room lifting up the name of Jesus. The Bible commands us to not give up meeting together. So whoever you are, whatever you're going through right now, please find a church here or anywhere else, but be a part of some Christian community. Ephesians talks about the shield of faith. We, we, we love that, that, you know, the armor of God and the sword of the spirit and all this sort of stuff, the shield of faith. But the Romans didn't use the shield in isolation. They, they didn't just stand there with their shield trying to stop things. They joined their shields together to form an impenetrable barrier. And as they march forward, they have all their, all their shields locked to, together as they march forward. That's what God wants from our faith. The shield of faith is far more powerful when we join it with other people's shields of faith and we stand together. Don't fight alone. Your faith, your belief, your hope is strengthened when you join it with other believers. It's called unity. And Psalm 133 says God blesses, blesses that. The fifth thing is, because we have hope, we need fear nothing. Jesus said, don't fear those who can kill the body but can't destroy the soul. Fear him who can destroy the soul. So we can fear, if we fear God, we can fear nothing else. Resurrection power gives us hope and therefore we can face anything in Christ, including pain, disaster and death. We are no longer to live defeated lives. In the power of God, when we are controlled by his spirit, we can face any foe without fear. Any foe. So governments, mortgages, rents, who cares? People attacking us, anything life or death can throw at us, we can face it without fear. Including the biggest one, which is death. See, death for a Christian is not a full stop, it's a comma. This is the hope we have inside. You might think you're real special and real tough right now, but we are all going to face death at some point. But for the Christian, because Jesus has risen, that gives us hope that we can face death with confidence. Because even though we die, yet shall we live, Jesus said. And we think death is a sad day, and it is for us here. We say goodbye to someone we love, we have a funeral and we farewell them. It feels like a sad day. Many of us have, have, have said farewell to friends that we've had. But for the believer, I've got to tell you, it's graduation day. It's homecoming. It's like, wow, this is the best day ever. I'm hoping that the day I die is the best day ever. That's the hope in my heart because I go to be with my Lord and I have that surety in my heart. Romans 6 says this. If we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now you may be sitting here saying, I don't believe that stuff. That's, that's, you know, that's rubbish. Well, let me tell you, two seconds after you die, you'll believe. You'll know. 
you'll know. Let me put it to you this way. If you don't believe in that stuff, let's say you're right. Then I've had a great life serving Jesus. But if I'm right, I get to do it for eternity and you don't. The Bible says death has lost its sting. Why has death lost its sting? Its sting was sin and sin was conquered on the cross. And when Jesus rose again, we knew the hope that he brings is eternal life. Death has lost its sting. We have nothing to fear from death, folks. Nothing. Steve McQueen is one of my favorite actors. You might have heard this before, but I love this story. He accepted Christ and uh, he, he asked to meet Billy Graham as he was heading to Mexico for filming uh, his latest movie. He shared a short ride to the airport with Billy Graham. He was fighting cancer at the time and he asked Dr. Graham, how can I be assured of eternal life? And Billy Graham underlined the verse Titus 1 verse 2 in his own Bible, in Billy Graham's Bible. It says, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. He said, Steve, that's how you can know. And he gave his Bible to Steve McQueen. Well, the actor passed away just a few weeks later down in Mexico. His body was flown back to Los Angeles. And, listen to this, he was buried at his own request with Billy Graham's open Bible on his chest and his finger pointing to that verse. In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. Steve McQueen knew hope. Thomas knew hope. You can know hope too. Steve's probably riding a bike in heaven right now. <laughs> Christ in you, the hope of glory. So says Colossians 1.27. See, Easter Sunday... Resurrection Sunday is not about hot cross buns, hot cross bunnies or chocolate eggs. It's not about a religious celebration. Thomas learned what we know. That Resurrection Sunday is about hope resurrected. It's about hope restored. Hope to face anything. Hope that fills us. Hope that is alive just as Jesus is alive today. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just a historical event, although it certainly is that. It's certainly not a fairy story. Historical facts bring this out, if you want to check into that. It's the resurrection of hope for Thomas and the other disciples who moved from despair to abundant joy, from fear to incredible courage. Of the 11 disciples who witnessed the death and resurrection of Jesus, they were so inspired, so filled with hope, that 10 of them, including Thomas, died martyrs' deaths for what they believe. You don't die for something you know is a lie. You die for something that gives you hope that you believe in. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the resurrection of eternal hope, the hope that will never fail. It's the rock upon which we stand. It's the power by which we can live. It's the hope that we have for all eternity. This hope is here today and is here for you if you want it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Would you bow your heads? God's speaking to people here. And I know the Lord is, 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 is shining his light into your soul, however dark your soul may be. But some of you here have never asked Jesus into your life. What we're talking about here seems so foreign. I want to give you that opportunity now. If you've never asked Jesus into your life, I want to lead you in a prayer and we will do it together. 
if maybe you've made a commitment to Christ, but you've been walking far from him, you haven't been walking with him, you haven't been honouring him, maybe circumstances have climbed on top of you, if that is you, then today is a day of hope, the resurrection of hope in your life. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer as well. Because if we pray this prayer, we can believe in the promise of a risen Saviour who died and rose again to show us that he's conquered death. So if that is you, if you've never prayed to receive Jesus Christ, this is your moment. Or if you have and you've wandered far, this is your moment. I'm going to say these words, just repeat them after me. And together we will ask the Lord Jesus into your life. Just say these words. Dear Lord Jesus, I turn away from my sin. I ask you to forgive my sin. And I accept you as my Lord and my Saviour. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and with the hope of eternal life. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, I'm going to ask you just to shoot your hand up where you are so we can see it. We won't be calling you forward, but if that's you, just shoot your hand up quickly. Praise God. Are there any more? I know God's speaking to people here. Amen. For the rest of us, there are some hopes that have died in this room. Or if they haven't totally died, they're very, very sick. And I believe that God wants to restore hope this Resurrection Sunday. He doesn't want to leave you floundering. He wants to empower you to live a life of victory. But you can't do it alone. You need His Spirit to control you, to direct you, to guide you, to bless you, to provide for you. If you are struggling at the moment because hope has kind of died in some area, maybe with your family, maybe with your business, maybe with your job, with your home. If that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer this morning. Maybe your children are far from God. If that's you, I want to lead you in the same prayer because we need hope for our kids this Resurrection Sunday. So I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to ask you to say it with me. And together we are going to say, Lord, fill us with your hope and with your spirit. Let's stand together as we pray. Just close your eyes and let's pray together. If you are struggling, if you have lost some hope to some degree, if it's flown through your fingers, if you want new hope, new life, if your kids have walked away and you want new hope for them, this is for you this morning. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I turn away from my sin to you. And I look to the hope of the resurrection. Lord, give me the hope that will lead and guide my life to be a life of victory for you. I yield my life to you. I open my heart to you. 
and say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. We're going to sing a song to finish up here.